0: IKA.com.
1: Welcome to Made by Women, a new podcast by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. At a moment when businesses face some of the biggest challenges in recent history, we bring you inspiring stories, practical insights, and shared learnings to help you successfully navigate in today's environment. Every Thursday, Made by Women will showcase the experiences of legendary women entrepreneurs, fierce up-and-comers, and and everyday women who found success their own way. Consider this your real-world MBA, designed for the new now. I'm Kim Azzarelli, and thanks so much for joining us today. Chocolate makes just about everyone happy. And Maribel Lieberman has been in the business of making people happy for two decades. She started with just one store in Manhattan called Marie Belle Chocolates. And from there, she built an international brand with stores in Dubai and Japan. Her flagship store has been called one of the most beautiful stores in New York. Now, Maribel achieved success by sticking to a passion for entrepreneurship and sweets that started when she was a young girl in Honduras. Not only did she survive, but she thrived by learning from the inevitable mistakes and setbacks that every entrepreneur faces, including the 2008 recession, which hit her hard. We'll learn how she pivoted her business not once, but twice to meet changing circumstances. And we'll hear about the practical mindset that allows her to tackle any problem, lessons we can all benefit from in the current pandemic. Enjoy our conversation. Okay, well, first of all, I'm thrilled today to be joined by Maribel Lieberman, a wildly successful chocolatier and the founder of Maribel Fine Treats and Chocolates. Maribel, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much, Kim, for this invitation. I'm very excited to talk to you, my experience in my business. I like to tell my story because I like to energize other entrepreneurs that are thinking to open a business or start a business.
1: Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your business.
2: I am a chocolatier and I own Marybell Chocolates and I founded my business twenty years ago. Quite frankly, it started, you know, with the idea of just selling chocolates. I was not really planning to do a huge manufacture but one thing led to another when I started doing some research and I saw that there weren't too many chocolate companies in, in the United States except for the French companies but it started with a very small store in Nolita 20 years ago.
1: So uh, before we get into the business itself I thought I would take you back to your beginnings and I understand that you moved to the U.S. when you were a teenager. Why did you leave Honduras?
2: I am the youngest among eight siblings, and I grew up in the countryside. I was always trying to do business since I was little. I was always very impatient, you know, why Why should I wait for this one? So at the age of eight years old, I was already selling caramels in in school. So when uh, we moved to Tegucigalpa and started going to school and I started learning English and this is when I decided to come to the United States so I could learn more English and, and pursue more bilingual career in secretarial. So
1: I guess what you're saying is that At eight years old, you were already an entrepreneur, which I actually find that in these interviews, a lot of women who have businesses started around that age. They had the urge very early on to want to have a business.
2: I always say to people, you should see what you used to do when you were little, when you were like the age of eight, nine years old. And this is what actually what you should do when you grow older or you go to school And I was doing that. I was selling candies. I can't believe later in life I became a chocolatier and then I started selling chocolates. And it's the same thing what I was doing when I was little. I mean, it's a lot of work, but I'll tell you, it's a lot of fun. I found my passion and I can count myself like one of those lucky people that have found their dreams. So
1: fast forward you're in the us when did you decide that you were going to launch a business
2: i started working for a uh shiseido cosmetics and i learned a lot from them a lot of their marketing strategies was amazing and this is when i started thinking oh i i'm going to start my own business but i I wasn't sure what i was going to start a business of. you know maybe at that time i was thinking maybe selling cosmetics Then when I moved to New York, I discovered that I love cooking and and I became a chef here. And what inspired me the most was all the different cultures that you find in New York and all the different ingredients. And I I was fascinated with all these uh, different ingredients and flavors. And I started taking classes and and teaching and buying lots of cookbooks and, and teaching myself how to cook. So, That's when the idea of the business say, okay, I'm going to open a business in in the food industry. So I said, you know what? I'm going to start a catering company. And I'm going to start cooking from home where I don't need a lot of investment, and I would just do a menu for a customer, a client, and and then I would get some money ahead of time, buy my ingredients, and that's how it started. And eventually, I opened my catering company and rented a kitchen, a commercial kitchen, and I did that for five years. From there, you know, that's when I said, okay, I'm going to open store. I wasn't thinking of only chocolate. I started thinking, okay, maybe I'll open a gourmet store. And when I did the business plan, I realized that I needed a lot of money that I didn't have. So that's when I said, okay, I'm going to start with a small uh, store and just selling chocolates, making chocolates, because I didn't need a, a lot of money to invest.
1: So you start the store, and at some point, though, you decide you're going to get some investment money. Did you decide to look for a loan or what did you do next?
2: I had $50,000 that I have saved up from my catering business. And that's what I put in the business of chocolate. And I didn't realize that chocolate is very seasonal and it sells more in the winter than in the summer. And it was the summertime and nobody was buying much chocolate. We were selling, but not enough. And then I said, oh, my God, if I go to a bank, they're not going to give me a loan because it's only been a year, you know, that I've been in business. But anyway, I went to try. And of course, I needed at least three years. So someone told me about this organization called Axion New York. And anyway, I met them and it's amazing. I mean, they lent me twenty thousand dollars. I when I think about it today it, it makes me laugh because it was such a small amount but that such a small amount helped me so much you know you don't realize that every penny counts so they they lent me $20,000 twice you know I pay off the first one then the second then I went for it. I wanted to get a hundred thousand. And they said, Oh no, we don't, we don't give more than 20, but they, um, refer me to another company that did the same as action, but with a larger amount of a uh, lot of money. And these are the, the finances that I got in the big, be- in the beginning of my business.
1: Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So it seems like that initial loan made a huge difference. Huge, huge. Yes. So, when you were founding your company, were there other setbacks that you faced? Were there any? Were there any really tough moments where, where, where you felt like I'm not going to make it? I mean, what made you really sweat?
2: Being in the in the food industry, you have to be so careful because you're dealing with the public, and you better make sure that the ingredients are all listed in the package. And whatever is uh, allergens and all that, and but you have to break down a lot of things. That what does sugar have? What does milk have? You know, so I sweat uh, about FDA and the agriculture department when uh, they came and and they made me recall one of my products that I became famous of the hot chocolate. We were missing the listing of the milk. Uh, it had very little milk, but it's, it still had it in it That's, They make me recall at that time was still small I was still very small, so i didn't have to recall many units, probably like uh, twenty units. but have I been a big company I mean a bigger company, I would have been real in real trouble
1: when those setbacks happen, which happened to everybody. what gives you strength in
2: that moment? The focus is to solve the problem. Uh, I mean, sit down and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what needs to be done. And it's like, it recharged me, you know, it's like, uh, I don't see anything negative that is coming. I feel Mm -hmm. that every little problem has been a learning experience and it's actually has been for the best. Wow.
1: And does that help you? I mean, that that level of experience where you see that each problem is something you could learn from, does that experience help you when you reminding yourself of that, help you when you face new challenges? Because I'm sure they still come.
2: Oh, of course. You know, there's always going to come. And I remember in the 2008, the uh, crash of 2008, That uh, I suffer a lot because uh, I do a lot of corporate chocolates for, uh, for mm-hmm. companies. And, and we had orders, many orders, and they were all canceled. And I remember it was very, very tough. And I remember I had my sister who was my chef at the time. She says to me, I, I don't think we're going to make it. And then she starts crying. I said, what are you talking about? Nobody's going anywhere. You know, we're going to solve this. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. We're going to survive. At that time, I didn't have one item in my company that you could buy for $5 when you, when you walk into the store. You could never buy something for $5. It had to be, it was probably $15, $20. So I started doing little products, you know, products that could, people could afford for $2, for $5. So in 2001, you opened
1: your flagship store in Soho, and now you have a number of shops in New York, Japan, and Dubai. How did you know when it was time to grow and expand your business, especially internationally?
2: You know, I always have dream big. <laughs> I mean, first of all, since day one, I have had a lot of Japanese customers. They always came because of the design. They love the design. They love their packaging. So I felt that I always had that market. Once uh, in 2002, I was featured in one of the Japanese local papers, the front page. And I mean, it was all in Japanese, but they put the picture of my chocolates and, and then people would come with the newspaper to buy the chocolate that was featuring that newspaper. So when uh, I started seeing the market that where, where could Maribel grow, for me, Japan would be number one because i had a clientele that really loved my product i was approached by a company to sell my products there but what i wanted is to open store but they what, what they wanted is just to distribute i tested the market then in 2003 it went very well just for valentines uh, it was selling 1 million dollars just for for in the period of 3 3 weeks wow The thing is, they didn't want to open the retail stores. And for me, it was very important to open retail stores because that's how the brand becomes stronger. Mm -hmm. So in 2012, finally, I found a partner that could open the stores. And then I would supply all the merchandise from here. We launched in 2012, the first store.
1: Congratulations. That's incredible. And then Dubai soon after that, I understand.
2: Yeah, Dubai, I would like to expand in the Middle East uh, more, hopefully after this was happening with this pandemic. and I mean, uh, but uh, I think uh, when it comes to Europe, I feel the Nordic countries would be the best because in France, there's a lot of chocolatiers. Germany could be a good market for Maribel. But anyway, <laughs> I'm always thinking where I'm going next a lot of companies right now have had to pivot their
1: business and their operations due to the pandemic. Have you had to shift your operations and, and,
2: and and what have you been doing? Yes, of course. First of all, I couldn't afford to keep people, all the people in, you know, uh, my stores are still closed, you know, I mean, our internet business is, it represents a fraction of, of the total business, but now this is the only way to sell because, uh, you know, the retail stores are were not open. So I started doing a lot of uh, more promotions in social media and probably paying ads that I never did. I was able to double, almost sometimes triple, their business in the Internet. Wow. The key in any business is keeping yourself focused. Okay, what, how am I going to do this? How am I going to solve this? And then you concentrate on doing whatever you need to do to survive, you know?
1: It seems that problem solving is kind of what gets you through because you're gonna be faced with a myriad of problems throughout throughout business, especially in entrepreneurship. But if you have that problem solving mindset, it seems like that, that might be the winning one.
2: When this pandemic came, uh, I remember 2008, you know, that was, the, that was the worst. I mean, right now it's bad, mm-hmm. but for me, 2008 was the worst the worst Mm -hmm. but I learned Mm -hmm. so much from there and and I I learned uh, that today I was able to apply what I learned and what to do and what not to do I didn't feel so hard I mean it's hard but I didn't feel it so hard as I did in 2008.
1: I feel particularly right now in this moment of COVID, your your message is going to really resonate with a lot of people because I know people are really hurting right now. And so if they can take from you that problem-solving mindset.
2: I think it, that's the only way that can make you survive, you know. That's the only way. There's always going to be problems, and this is a big problem to solve, you know. This is big. Of course, you know, it's easy to say, oh, I'm going to solve this problem it's not easy to solve the problem. You know, you have to divide that problem in small portions because a problem can be a mountain, you know, but if you divide it in little mountains, then it's not that big.
1: That's so interesting. That's, I heard that also in the tech world where, you know, you kind of break apart a technology problem into lots of small steps. Um, And that, that seems to be such a great piece of advice. So, I want to bring you back to your business model for a minute. I wanted to ask you, where do you source your beans from?
2: I went back to Honduras and uh, I, I started working with women farmers in Honduras. And I started making my bean to bar in 2015. And so most of my beans come from uh, Honduras, uh, the northern part of Honduras. And then I also bring some from El Salvador, and a little bit from Costa Rica.
1: So you're, you're a woman-owned business who's supporting other women-owned businesses through your
2: sourcing. Yes, and for me, it's very important. A lot of these women farmers, and, and this is what I love. I'll tell you, this is why I love being in this business. I like to learn about where everything starts. I became a, a chef because You know, I like to see where, uh, where, uh, how it grows, where it grows, who grows it. And I feel that every ingredient that we consume is very, is very important for all of us. Going back to the cacao, chocolate is cacao that comes from Latin America. Who were the first ones to, they started using cacao, the Mayans, the Aztecs. So, you know, going back to these women that they've been growing these beans some of them at the majority don't know how does it taste and because they don't even they never make chocolates you know because the beans look so different than what their finished product is the chocolate right so right one of the things that i do with them is that i teach them you know to dry the beans grind it and make chocolate and you know and i bring my finished products for them to taste Wow. And so anyway, what I like to, to give them is enthusiasm to, to continue, you know, look, the people are, are talking about your, your cacao beans. That keeps people motivated, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And for the consumer, too, to know that that's what's going on is super motivating for the consumer, too. Yes. So what advice would you give to someone who has a great idea, who wants to start a business, especially in this moment? but they're afraid of failing. They're afraid of starting business, of taking the leap.
2: One of the uh, worst enemies for anybody is fear. And of course, there's more fears now than than before, but fears is not going to let you go anywhere. So that's the number one thing they need to take away. You know, there's no fear. There's nothing, nothing, nobody's going to kill you for it. You know, it's like, if you don't try it, you never, you'll never know. I feel that if you have an idea, this will go be over, you know, this pandemic, this COVID is going to be over, you know, it might take a few months, it might take a year, but uh, let's concentrate what you can do today. Like, you know, I was, I've been looking at all these masks that people are doing fashionable masks now that last year, would, nobody <laughs> would think about covering their mouth, you know, right? and now we're all wearing a right. mask. Right. So anyway, what I'm saying is that you can get an idea from whatever the environment that you're uh, living. For example, this fashion of mask, you know. I mean, I'm not going to go into the mask business just because it's selling well. I'm not going to go into the sanitizing business because it's selling well. But whatever idea any entrepreneur would have right now, I think they should continue, you know. Life has not stopped. As long as we keep healthy, continue with your dream. This is like a, a bad dream that gonna be, we're, we're going to wake up and, and keep going. Well, that's really inspiring advice. And
1: I'm looking forward to waking up from that dream myself. <laughs> um, so um, is, there, is there something that you feel that every woman business owner should invest in?
2: One of the best investments, I think, is a business advisor. That business advisor in your industry is very important. As somebody that has been in that type of business, not necessarily chocolate, but something as perishable as chocolate, and also see the credentials, what they've done. That to me is very valuable, you know, to keep, to get that knowledge from somebody that with the experience.
1: Can you tell our listeners where they should go to buy your chocolate right now?
2: Well, the best way is uh, maribel.com maribel.com m-a-r-i-e-b-e-l-l-e.com It's the best way to buy them right now. And, then, and in the future, I have my store on, in Soho on Broom Street. And then I have another store on Park Avenue and 38th Street.
1: Well, I will be there shortly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is there one last thing you would want to share with our listeners? This life is very short. And I feel that we need to do what we dream on. Don't be afraid. And, and I feel that taking advantage of this beautiful life, of these beautiful moments that we have, is not about getting rich. It's about fulfilling your dreams. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Kim. It's a pleasure. I want to thank
1: Maribel for all that wisdom and inspiration And it's always so great to hear about a woman-owned company that supports other women. In this case, female farmers in Central America. Three pieces of advice from Maribel really had an impact on me. First, you might determine your direction in business by remembering what you loved as a child. Back when you thought you could do anything, what did you want to be, to do? Recalling those passions can help guide you to the right place. Second, Be ready to change with the current circumstances and look for new opportunities. In the economic downturn of 2008, Maribel lost orders for her higher-priced chocolates. But rather than folding, she added new items at lower price points. Her brand image didn't suffer, and in fact, the business thrived. So sometimes we have to recognize that even the biggest problem presents an opportunity. In this very difficult moment of COVID, it's important to keep an open mind and see what new opportunities might present themselves. Finally, I love Maribel's advice about how to tackle big problems. Instead of seeing a problem as a big mountain, she says, we can break it down into manageable pieces, mini hills, if you will. And with that mindset, we can tackle any problem head on. To learn more about Maribel and where you can buy the delicious Marie Bell chocolates, visit maribel.com. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. Made by Women is brought to you by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner PG.